0: Thank you. Thank you worship team uh, for basically preaching a message um, that really is what we've been talking about of being all in that cross before us the world behind us that's easier said than done because there's a lot of things we face in this life that we've got to put behind us and look straight to that cross and the question is are you all in have you decided to follow Jesus. As much as I'd love to force people to do that, I I can't do that. It's something you have to decide to do. And when you decide to do that, it'll change your life forever. The passage of scripture I wanna read for you is found in uh, Colossians chapter three. And I'm just gonna read this for you. And really this morning, uh, what I wanna give the opportunity to do is let a couple people I've asked to share um, what their life has looked like since they've decided to follow Jesus and have said that cross before me, the world behind me. Paul's telling this church what that looks like. And this is something all of us, this is what it means to be maturing as a follower of Jesus. This isn't for a select few. He's not just pointing out certain believers that he says, well, you're more mature than, you, than this one, and so I'm speaking to you. He is talking to a church This applies to every single one of us if we've decided to follow Jesus. He says to us, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he's talking with you. You have been raised with Christ is what he's saying. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, the cross before me, the world behind me. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The old self is gone, the new has come. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The promise of new life in Jesus, eternal life. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. This is the growth process. This is the diving into the deep end process. We are willing to put this sin behind us because God is setting us apart. Now, Paul lists some sins here and I and challenged you through our sermon series to write things down that you struggled with, that you've been working on, that you're trying to have victory over. Well, Paul tells every single one of us to put to death the things that belong to this earthly nature, things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. He is punishing sin. That is what we know. He has poured out that wrath upon Jesus Christ on that cross, And God will once for all eradicate evil from the world he created. The wrath of God is coming, Paul reminds us. You used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived. But now, since you've become a follower of Jesus, you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self and its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. That's what we're doing. All the ministries that we do here at Grace Church are trying to renew us in the knowledge of the image of of our creator, that through the change of mind and heart that we've made, our life reflects that. Remember, we talked about family resemblance. Your life and my life begins to look like the life of Jesus. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your family background. It doesn't matter what language you speak, your ethnicity, high class, low class, middle class. It doesn't matter, Paul says. You are therefore, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, one of God's chosen people. You are a part of this church that Jesus is coming back for. You are the bride, he the bridegroom, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves, this is what we're supposed to be doing, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is all stuff that we wish happened in our family, our biological family, that doesn't always happen. That Paul says, when you're a part of this family, one based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, this is, this is what you experience. A bearing with each other, forgiving each other, kindness, compassion, humility, patience. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, and overall, these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Jesus said that the world would know us by the way we love each other. He's talking about the church. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another through all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is what Paul is telling us to do as a church. This is what the discipleship process looks like, putting off the old, putting on the new. And wouldn't it be great to experience a community, a family that looks like that? Well, if you're a part of a church that is growing in Christ, that's what you ought to experience. Does it happen perfectly? No. Just like with any other family, there are issues. There are problems. But God who is transforming us is helping us to grow into this. And what we seek to offer as a church family is that the message of Jesus might dwell with us richly. The people who get connected on part of Grace Church are able to live out that faith that Paul has asked us to live out, that are able to grow and experience this sanctifying grace, this setting apart that God is doing. So I have asked two people to just share a little bit how God has been doing that in their life, because I don't want this to just be an exercise in preaching a message and me just telling you that this happens or should happen, but I want you to hear how it has been and is happening in people's lives. And so if you're wondering if it can happen in yours, the answer is yes, it can. And the evidence is God's already doing it in some of these other individuals' lives. So, I'm going to ask Tristan to come up here, and I'm going to give him Don's microphone. So, you might talk as a soprano. I'm not sure. (laughs) And just kind of share
1: life. Everybody.
0: Just kidding. This is Kim's mic, green one.
1: Check, there we are. Before I get started, I just want to go to the Lord in prayer. Um, Father God, thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Um, I ask that your Holy Spirit guide what I have to say, and that it would be edifying for your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 1 um, Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Everything that I am today... Is because of Christ. Um, I'm Tristan Grubb. My wife, Sarah, uh, is here. Riley, um, TJ, Sam, Lydia are our children. Um, I've been here for about two and a half years. Sarah, a little bit longer than me. Um, I've been saved for about two years now. the road to my salvation has been uh, long and um, kind of wild. So, um, I'm going to read from Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, uh, 10 to 11. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired, I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless—a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Um, this speaks to my life before Christ. Um, everything that I did was an exercise in futility. Um, I could never find any meaning or purpose. Value in anything that I did. Um, Growing up, my family life was kind of chaotic, lots of abuse, lots of drug use, uh, very unstable marriage. My parents, um, my parents sold drugs. My parents, there's a lot of lot of things. Um, I uh, I came up in the Catholic Church. and this kind of speaks to how you can be Christian adjacent and not know Christ at all. Um, I was an altar boy. Um, I went through CCD, uh, made it all the way up to about confirmation in the Catholic Church. Um, we left the Catholic Church, went to kind of a hyper-charismatic, was kind of wild, <laughs> but... Um, You know, um, I always believed in God, but nothing around me really convinced me that living for him was something that was worth doing. Um, There were a lot of people around me who professed to have faith, but never really modeled what that meant. Um, Like I said, I always kind of struggled to find meaning and value in my life. Um, And as I got older, I tried to find meaning and value, validation in um, doing some pretty destructive stuff. Um, You know, uh, substance abuse, alcohol specifically, uh, pornography, fornication. Um, I tried to fill the whole that was in me with seeking pleasure. Um, you know, I was, was pretty violent. I was manipulative of people to get what I wanted, um, which a lot of the time, like I said, was uh, just you know a dopamine hit at just to kind of get me through the day. Um, somewhere along the line, I kind of realized that what I was doing wasn't working. Um, It was just kind of leaving a wake of human carnage. Um, You know, I always wanted to have a family. I always wanted kids. Um, And uh, right around the time that I was, uh, you know, for better or worse, trying to, change how I was living my life. I met Sarah. Um, we, uh, we've we been together for 10 years now. Um, you know, in the beginning, um, I thought that maybe I would find purpose and value um, to my life in having that family. Um, I love my family. I love my kids more than anything on this earth. Um, but... I came to realize very quickly that I had something that I needed to do, Um, I had a family that I had to care for, but it still gave me no inherent meaning. Um, You know, why are we here, what are we doing? Um, And uh, this realization that I I could have all these things, I could have the beautiful family that I have, and still feel a deep sense of meaninglessness um, it really uh it really messed with me so um as you could imagine um the result of that was depression anxiety um i had panic attacks some of you might remember when i first started <laughs> when i first started coming here um when i would first started playing uh kind of like Ran off the stage a couple of times. Uh, no, I, I used to have panic attacks all the time. Um, my, my world view is very nihilistic, very, um, you know, there's no point. There's no point to anything. There's no purpose. Um, then um, it was about three years ago, three, when you're, uh, Sarah's grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and she, uh, she gave me a book, it was called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, um, and wrote a letter to, uh, her and myself. Um, and she admonished me in a, you know, her loving <laughs> way, um, and was basically like, hey man, you're, uh, you're supposed to be the head of your family and lead your family to Christ, and you're not doing any of that, um. My wife was actually going to church uh, well before I was. Um, And, uh, you know, every Sunday it seemed, you know, hey, you want to come? You want to come? And I'm like, nah, I'm good. But um, so she gave me this book, um, and it answered some questions that I uh, had always had. um, You know, but it didn't really do anything to subside any of the stuff that I was going through um, you know there, there was a point where uh, I just wanted it to be over uh, I was done um, the state that I was in I knew I couldn't keep living life like that and uh, either something drastically had to change or um, I don't know something bad was going to happen um, in the midst of a, of a panic attack One day I called out I just called out to God um, You know, I had nothing I had nothing else to lose And I was like, you know The only thing I haven't done so far is uh, Try to live a Christian life Try to take God seriously um, And And um, you know nothing nothing changed overnight, but what did change immediately was um i had i had hope i had some i had some something to grab onto, something to look look forward to um and that hope was Jesus Christ. Um, I started reading the Bible seriously for the first time in my life um, you know again i was I was christian adjacent you know, like, Christian by birthright, almost, like, um, that's the way I kind of viewed it, you know, like, if I could be just a halfway decent person and kind of balance the scales of, like, the things I've done wrong versus, um, doing some good, um, you know, and I found that obviously that that's not the case, um, our faith in Christ is what saves us, um, but I started taking that faith seriously for the first time in my life, uh, reading the Bible, praying. Um, lots of counseling, lots of therapy. Um, and for the first time in my life, that pit that I was trying to just throw stuff into um, in the hopes of filling it, that just, like, it never, ever, ever worked um, There was a sense of fullness, and that only came because of Christ. Um, You know, I'm just going to close with this. Um, Everybody in this room is going to die. Um, Me, you, everyone. Um, And the only thing that we have uh, going into eternity is... Our faith in Christ and just clinging to the cross. Um, And that's what I'm going to hope and depend on uh, for the rest of my life. Um, And I'm going to try to lead my family to that same faith, to that same saving faith. Um, That's all I have. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Tristan, for sharing that. And, um, you know, most people are terrified of standing in front of people and talking. Obviously, you heard he was terrified of standing in front of you not that long ago and playing a guitar, and he just stood up here and shared with you what God's brought him through. So that, to me, is a, a miracle in itself of the work that God is doing in his life. So thank you, Tristan, for your willingness to share. And I'm sorry for all the anxiety I was putting you through and asking you to share in front of everybody. So I appreciate you doing that. So I'd like Carol Ann to come up too, and she's going to share a little bit. Um, As I said, we we got a lot to do this morning, and we're going to get all of it done. I don't want you to leave without you hearing from what God's doing in, in people's lives here at Grace Church. So Carol Ann, if you'd like to share.
2: Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm going to start out by saying I'm about to disappoint every public speaking professor I've ever had in my life who gave me an A because I brought a script. <laughs> and Tristan's a hard act to follow, so thanks. Now I, my heart's pounding. Um, I took the assignment a little differently uh, because I have been a Christian since I was 13. Um, but last week, our guest speaker asked something that was simple yet so incredibly profound Who holds your future? I've known who holds my future since I was 13 years old, but I would be lying if I did not admit that there were times that I forget. It typically happens when the weight of worldly issues becomes too great. My first instinct is to stand up and fight, but sometimes the obstacles are mountable. You become disheartened or disillusioned when you think you're alone. But as a Christian, we must remember that we are not alone. This is why it's so important to be active in a good church. I was not raised in a God-loving family. I did not grow up in a church like this. I had a very traumatic childhood that left a huge chip on my shoulder. I spent, uh, when I was 13 years old, I was sent to a Christian conference. There was a, a couple that had taken me in and they had seen my potential and they said, this kid needs God. So they sent me to a Christian conference and... Um, I'm sad to say that I spent the first few days there making fun of everyone around me. Um, The world had taught me that I was on my own, and life was cruel. I didn't believe in God, and the only person I knew that I could count on was the person that I saw looking back in the mirror every day. And yet, during the sessions, I felt something stirring in my heart. On the last day of the conference, I was headed into the Winter Garden in the mall. This is in Niagara Falls Boulevard, if you've ever been there. It's terrifying if you're afraid of heights. (laughs) Um, as I was walking in, I encountered an elderly man digging through the garbage. And just the sight of him standing there, digging through the trash, trying to find a meal, just, it shook me to the, my core. I asked him to stay put, which he kind of looked at me like I was nuts. <laughs> well, I ran back to my hotel, and I ransacked our room. I was staying in a room with three other girls, and I did not ask their permission to take every scrap of food we had in the room to take to this man. Um, I came back, he was still standing there, I was shocked that he was there, and I handed him the bag of food, and bags of food, and he said, God bless you. And I was gobsmacked. I'm standing there just looking at this man thinking, you have nothing, you are digging through a garbage can for your next meal and you believe in God? How could that be? Clearly, God and I needed to have a conversation. So again, Winter Garden, Niagara Falls, huge glass building, and I am terrified of heights, but I thought, if I'm going to talk to this guy, I'm going to get as close as humanly possible. So very carefully, I scaled the spiral staircase to my doom up to the highest point in the scaffolding that I could get to. Um, I figured I'm going to be, if I'm going to talk to him, this little tête-à-tête is going to be as close to him as I can possibly get. Um I started talking, and we had a conversation. I don't remember all of it, but it went a little something like this. If you want me to give my life to you, then you need to exist. I was kind of a brazen 13-year-old. <laughs> Less than a minute later, I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. Now, it was 20 minutes until the winter garden and the mall closed. So they're making the announcements to get your you know, packages and get out, um, but what I saw, hidden behind the foliage in this winter garden, was my homeless friend. He was not alone. And he was sharing the bounty that I had given to him. And that was it. That was, that was the sign I needed. I ran. Remember how I climbed up? I ran down those stairs. I must have been bawling hysterically. I had no clue. As I burst through the glass doors, I ran headfirst into my youth pastor, who was looking for me because I, had, I was the bad kid who went missing and it was past curview. And she was horrified thinking that something had gone wrong or that I had gotten in trouble. Right in front of her, I fell to my knees and I said, please, please pray with me, say the, say the sinner's prayer. And I had heard it so many times over the course of the, the three days leading up to this, but there was no way that I was going to be that kid that got up there and said it. You know, we got up down on our knees, we prayed together, And I have to say, um, in that moment, I knew who held my future. Oh, It's hard to talk here. Um, I feel his presence every single day. He has revealed himself to me so many times through answered prayers. I could could give you dozens of examples. Um, However, I'm trying to be kind of mindful of how much time I have up here. But uh, I do think I could give Pastor Ted a run for his money on who could speak longer. <laughs> and if you know me, you know this is to be true. Uh, three years ago, God planted our family in Schuylkill Haven. Uh, there's a really great story behind this, but I'll save it for if you want to talk to me after. Um, we weren't really sure what our life is going to look like here. And Pennsylvania really wasn't our first stop or our first you know, choice. Um, But when we got here, it didn't take us long to become involved in the community. Uh, And, you know, we've built a beautiful life here, but it was just missing one crucial element. And that was a church. Um, My husband was raised Catholic. You know, over the years, I did attend many different churches. It was sort of a spin the wheel of denominations. Which church am I going to go to this week? I was trying to find myself, you know. Um, So we were struggling to find a church that met both of our needs. Uh, and then we joined Homeschooling for Him, and it was a tremendous blessing for our family. Um, through Homeschooling for Him, we've met several families who belong to Grace Church. We love you. <laughs> we, we felt that that was such a, a wonderful resource and a blessing, but we knew that it was time in our lives to take it a step further. Um, the crushing weight of current events and the sad state of the world was making us forget who holds our future. When our culture gets as bad as it's gotten, it's so easy to slide back into fear, especially as a parent. During an event, Pastor Ted delivered a message that really hit home with me. His words brought me a peace that I had forgotten. It was a gentle reminder that we need edification. I am not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect Christian. I'm, not, I'm sure I make many, many mistakes. But the one good and true thing that I know is that God exists. He watches over us, and we are never alone. When the weight of the world threatens to crush us, we need our church family. In those dark times when we stumble or we forget, we must remember who holds our future.
0: Thanks, Carol Ann. I got to tell you, I'm pretty impressed that it went that short, Carol Ann. It did impress me. We are going to conclude things, and fortunately, we have lunch afterwards so if you 've been looking at your clock it doesn 't matter lunch is right over here you don 't have to go that far uh, for lunch but i 'd like to provide other people 's stories and there 're just two of many here in this room and others that aren 't here of how God continues to work in people 's lives, and everybody 's journey is a little bit different than everybody else 's but it is so important to be reminded of where God takes us from where we start to being able to up here, and I appreciate Carol Ann and Tristan being willing to share how God's been working in their life, because sometimes I think we forget that He is constantly doing it, and as a pastor, I just assume uh, that it's, it's going to happen, and it, I preach from this all the time, but it's just the reason... I, I do what I do is because of these stories. That's why I keep doing this. I, I, I wouldn't have any other reason to do it if it wasn't for these stories, if I didn't believe that God can do this in every single one of your lives. It'll change your life forever. And not only that, he offers you eternity with him. Because as Tristan told us, one day we are gonna meet our maker and we don't know what that day is. And for me, on Friday night, When I went to that hospital, it's just a reminder that every day is a blessing because we don't know when it's going to be our last. God is continuing to work and move in our lives, and he is offering us something that we don't deserve or can't provide for ourselves. He is offering us his son, the grace and the mercy that we find, the forgiveness of sin that we find and putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's as simple as it is. Embracing that promise and turning from that old life that Paul talked about in Colossians and turning to that new life. Grace Church is a place where we hope you can find that and grow in that as we are disciples who make disciples and remind us of this grace that is greater than all our sin. That's how we'll close. I'm going to Close of the port of prayer, and then we'll sing that hymn together. Father, thank you for uh, these stories. I'm so appreciative of Tristan and Carol Ann sharing and uh, getting up here and doing something that's really hard to do and just talk about your own life in front of a group of people. But God, I'm thankful for the work that you've been doing in their lives. Father, I'm thankful for the other stories that I get to hear. Lord, for the many stories that I've heard as pastor of this church, and Lord, I'm looking forward to the many more stories that we will hear as a church when people give their their lives over to Jesus Christ and put their faith and trust in him. Lord, I pray that we will have decided to follow you, that we will experience your grace, and as we close this morning, God, we might be reminded of a grace that is greater than all our sin. There is no body that is too far gone that Jesus' grace cannot redeem and that they cannot receive. And so God, as we close this morning, may we be reminded of that grace that you have given us, given to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.